Welcome to A Healthier You, Little by Little. This podcast gives you insights and features various aspects of health, from sleep and stress to immunity, exercise, home workouts, energy, and performance. Here is your host of A Healthier You, Little by Little, Cindy Little. Well, welcome, everybody. Today, I have a special guest, and my guest today is Sonia Borsma. She's a master's educated registered nurse and international board certified lactation consultant. Today's title is Beginning Healthy, Breastfeeding for Baby and for Mom. She's worked with mothers and babies through every stage of early parenting journey from prenatal to birthing to postpartum. She's honored to work with parents at any stage to support their infant feeding goals and particularly loves working with new parents proactively. Welcome, Sonia, to the show today. Oh, thank you very much. It's honored to be here. <laughs> well, I know when we were talking, actually, after we talked, I ran into a neighbor on my road who delivered a baby just after Easter, and she had some lactation problems. Now, I really wish I would have known you sooner. <laughs> <laughs> I hear a lot of people say that. <laughs> and, and, you know, with COVID right now, when we're shooting this uh, video or this um, podcast, we, we know that there's a lot of people that are either suffering in silence while raising their newborn babies. And a lot of people don't know that there's support out there. So I'm excited that you're here to share what you do and why you do it. So the, the, the first question would be, why is breastfeeding important for babies and for mothers? Yeah, a lot of people don't realize just how important it is. They kind of think that it's uh, better, but maybe they don't realize quite the importance. So for babies, there's a whole bunch of reasons. There's less asthma. There's less childhood illness. There's less uh, ear infections. There's less hospitalizations. There's less respiratory issues. There's actually less crib death for babies who breastfeed. And even some childhood cancers are less likely to occur on babies for babies who are breastfed. And then for moms, sometimes I say to moms, look, if you're sort of at that point where you're just not sure about continuing, you're at a crunch point, think about yourself. Because for moms uh, who don't breastfeed, they're at higher risk of health issues like postpartum bleeding, type 2 diabetes, and breast and ovarian cancer. So it's really important for both to continue breastfeeding and as recommended. And it, it, and I say that because it's dose response related. So the longer and more exclusively you can breastfeed, the more these health outcomes are likely. So I, I have to ask you, what's your big why and why you're doing this, Sonia? I, when I was an undergrad, I was so taken by how important breastfeeding was. And at that point, not nearly as much was known. And then as time has gone on and I started getting into this whole mother-baby field, I just have become much more aware of research. I'm constantly amazed by the new research that's coming out and how important breastfeeding is. And then why I'm doing this right now, I was doing a job provincially helping healthcare organizations implement the baby-friendly initiative. And that came to an end. And I was looking for another job in maternal child. And then when the pandemic hit, I was hearing all these myths and I thought, oh my goodness. And, and a lot of support for parents just instantly dried up. And I thought, I got to get back in. I've got to help support these parents to just reach their goals and do what Health Canada, World Health Organization and everybody else is recommending that they do 
and of course, to support them within their own particular goals. Mm-hmm. So what is the experience of mothers that you see? You know what, they're all over the map. Some people will connect with me at the end of pregnancy, and then we can work towards preventing a lot of issues because I can come in very early. The most extreme is I was seeing somebody within about 10 minutes of them getting home from the hospital. I don't necessarily recommend that. That was very taxing for her. However, her commitment was clear and she wanted to prevent issues. But getting in early is important to prevent issues. Mostly what I see are people who already have a lot of issues. And so it can be really complex issues. It can be more simple. It's lovely when it's simple because it's just going to be so much easier for parents. And unfortunately, they um, parents, well, and it's understandable, they tend to wait or try things or listen to different bits of advice from different people. Try things, try lots of things, and then end up still not having Uh, being in the place that they want to be. Maybe they have low milk supply, their latch is hurting, their baby won't feed, maybe they're getting used to the bottle. There can be a whole bunch of issues with any one family. So my job is to find out what the issues are and to try to make that, um, develop a care plan and support them to implement it, provide them the skills and whatnot, because there's so many issues that are out there. And yeah, and I'm can I delight in having the simple issues when parents have lots of questions and they're sort of expected normal new parent questions or yeah then I often get some highly complex issues too where we're working a while together to try to overcome them. So would you recommend that people book an appointment with you prior to giving birth? Because it sounded like you said 10 minutes after birth, uh, showing up at their house, uh, or the hospital is a little bit chaotic. What's your advice there? Yeah, it's, it is actually perfect if they connect with me somewhere in their third trimester of pregnancy, and then with the intention of getting me in soon, not 10 minutes after getting home <laughs> from the hospital. I admire that family for being that committed and doing that. Um, but within the first few days after getting home, sometimes I've, I've done Zoom chats from the hospital. I have previously was able to go in, but they also have lactation consultants. But Zoom chats can also uh, be very effective in those, like the first day, if people are still in hospital or seeing them very soon afterwards. So prevention is really a big thing that can help help people before they're disempowered, right? When they're just you're in a very vulnerable state when you're a new parent, you know, you're, you like, especially the first time you're sitting there and you're going, what am I doing with this little baby? Or how did they trust me I, with this little one? And I had that my experience myself as a new mom where you just go, wow, this is a lot of responsibility. So you question everything. And then if you're questioning breastfeeding and how that's all going and is this okay? Is my baby latching okay? Are they transferring enough milk? It's really nice to have someone walk with them and say, you know, this part's going great and this is too and you could tweak this and here's what to watch for and here's a different skill to try so they can become really empowered, which is ultimately my goal for parents is that they're really empowered in their early parenting. I'm, I'm curious because like I know when I had children 21 and 24 years ago, I, there may have been lactation nurses or, you know, people that could help with that, but I don't recall it. So I got, I mean, I don't think 
that I was told like, Hey, there are people that will help you with this. And luckily I didn't have any issues, but I don't think like, correct me if I'm wrong. Would people just wait till something goes wrong before they hire somebody like you, Sonia, or should like, how do they get the message from either their caregivers or their doctors or their midwives, like that you're there available to them and don't, don't wait till you have such a bad problem that you give up and throw the towel in. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? Um, some people have no knowledge of it, right? It's a big sleuthing thing after they have the baby and some who take prenatal, that's a great way. A really solid prenatal class will tell you where the resources are in the community. Sometimes the midwives, I do get some direct referrals from physicians, but I would say that in a lot of cases, maybe they're not quite as aware of the services that are out there that I'm there to help people. So it really, um, sometimes it's Google, word of mouth, mummy groups. My clients come from all over. And yes, ideally they would be able to connect late pregnant so that their support was good and solid, ready to go if they, you know, whatever they need. So technically with Zoom nowadays, you could, probably uh, do a consultation anywhere in the world, could you not? Yeah, I'm willing to do consults anywhere, certainly in Ontario, and and I could really do any, any within Canada. Yeah, for sure. And I do, I do do uh, Zoom chats or Zoom consults. Cool. You know, various for people all over the place. Yeah. Right. Now, what advice do you want to give to people? I would there's a lot of tips I could give to people. I think we kind of talked about the main one and that's get help early. It's, and better yet, um, proactively, like we were saying late, late, um, late pregnancy is a great time to connect so that we're ready to go with the support, prevent a lot of potential issues and get people feeling confident, know what they're looking for, get them over the hump of those initial days. And then, you know, there's uh, some more specifics that I could give, like some people, including some healthcare professionals, dare I say it, aren't quite aware that it's so, so important to stimulate the breasts in the first hour and the first 24 hours after delivery. And a lot of um, stimulation, either from the baby going onto the breast or hand expressing or whatever it is, really makes a big difference to milk supply. And avoiding nipples or artificial um, soother, like soothers and artificial nipples early in those early days makes a big difference to how the baby gets used to what's what's in their mouth and what to do with it. And so these are those are um, steps that the baby friendly initiative speaks to too that healthcare organizations could be implementing, but maybe are only partway through that process. Even being skin to skin, like having your baby skin to skin with you, it, it's got all kinds of benefits on its own, like stabilizing baby's temperature and, and breathing and having your skin there is going to end up becoming part of what gets into their gut and part of their microbiome, which helps their health. And it happens to be where the breasts are. So it helps with, with breastfeeding for them to find babies to find that the chest is a lovely place to be. It's comforting. It's home. So those all like skin to skin and hand expression and stimulating the breast in the first 24 hours sound little, but they're really, really, really important. I bet. Yeah. 
Now, is it true that women who breastfeed will have um, better weight loss afterwards? Um, they, they, they probably do. They, we know that it helps them. the hormones that are involved with breastfeeding help contract the uterus, so there's less bleeding. There's, it, it doesn't make any difference to the breasts, by the way. Like if, if people say, oh, I don't want saggy breasts, that used to be a myth that was out there. And well, it's too late. You got pregnant and then things might just get a little bit saggier after pregnancy. Um, but, but like I said, there are some other real, real issues that can be possibly prevented, like the breast and ovarian cancer. You know, that's like anything else. It might be like your grandma smoked two packs a day and never got lung cancer. It's not a guarantee, but it's, you know, when we look at statistics in the population, people who breastfeed longer are less likely to have issues. And some of the newer research is even saying heart disease for a baby and for mom. So it's, it's astounding all the new stuff that's, that keeps coming out. Mm-hmm. And, and for, in terms of immunity for the baby who's breastfed, there are studies that show that they're better, they're more immune to things, right? Oh, absolutely. Their immunity is much better. And in fact, babies who are um, formula fed, of course, that's sort of what we usually compare breastfeeding to. But sometimes parents want to be providing breast milk in a bottle as the predominant way of feeding. And yes, those babies are kind of in a middle ground because they're getting antibodies, but they're not getting the full immune benefit as directly breastfeeding. And sometimes when you explain that there's a missing link there for, for babies, that it's the second best way to feed, sometimes that's enough for parents to work a little bit harder to say, oh, you know, I'm going to work a little bit more at this and try to get the baby to latch directly on me as the predominant way of feeding. Mm-hmm. Asthma, for example, asthma rates are higher in babies that are not directly breastfed. Yeah, I did hear that too. Now, how long, if you're going to breast pump milk, how long is it good for? Oh, how long is breast uh, uh, pump milk good for on the counter sort of thing? Well, like if you're going to refrigerate it, let's say, or even freeze it. Yeah, you can put it in the deep freeze for six months. You can put it in your fridge freezer for a couple of months. You can put it in your fridge for several days and you can put it on your counter for four hours or more, even like as long as baby hasn't had some of it. If baby's had some of it, then it's good for an hour. Okay. Uh, these these are important questions because maybe maybe a woman has... Uh, is feeling ill and can't breastfeed for a little bit, um, or she might want to take a a night off (laughs) and, you know, maybe just like have a complete night off and let's say not uh, introduce alcohol to the baby, uh, to her bloodstream through the breast milk. Um, yeah. 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 When it comes to alcohol, when you're pregnant, there's no known safe dose. So it's just like, you can't, you can't Mm -hmm. drink. But the thinking with breastfeeding is that you can have, you can breastfeed the baby, have a glass of wine with dinner and, you know, then go back by the time the baby's due to feed again, you're fine. If, if, if it's kind of like a, I'm going to drink a lot situation, then, then there's resources out there that will help parents decide how long they can't breastfeed for. But it's kind of interesting because it's, it's similar to caffeine when, when uh, blood alcohol levels are highest, 
in the mom, they're also highest in the breast milk. And as they come out of the blood for the mom, they come out of the breast milk. It doesn't just stay there. Are you saying, did you say nicotine as well? I said caffeine. Oh, caffeine. Okay. All right. Yeah. What about, what about nicotine? Like what about smoking breastfeeding moms? It's still considered safer than not breastfeeding. It's still okay. considered a better choice because there's so many differences between breastfeeding and, and formula feeding. There, it, it's a day and night thing. I think culturally we see one as just being marginally better than the other. And I want to support all parents, whether they're, you know, no matter how they're feeding. And I also think it's important that parents understand that there's some real differences. And sometimes they just need to know that to give them an added little oomph to feed. And even to your question, like, that's just so important. Even if they're smokers, it's still better for them to be breastfeeding. How, what, in your opinion, what would be the best time frame for people to continue to breastfeed? I have to go with national and international guidelines. The recommendation is to exclusively breastfeed for six months and then continue breastfeeding when you introduce solids around that time, continue breastfeeding to about two years and even beyond. Infants and, and toddlers continue to get the immune benefits. They end up continuing knowing that this is a very comfortable place to be. It's the most natural soother ever. It's, um, there's, there's a lot of benefits. By the time babies are a year and a half, two years, parents are really just breastfeeding, you know, before and after sleep sort of thing as a, as a comfort thing. And yet it's still super important. And you know what, when you're on the pregnant end of that, that's a hard thing to hear. So my recommendation to parents is just take it, take it slow, take it one day at a time, especially at the beginning. You don't need to breastfeed for six months in the next 24 hours. You just have to breastfeed for the next 24 hours and then we can get you over the next hump and mm-hmm. get you comfortable. There's just so many tricks and um, tools that I have available. Parents have a hard time imagining how things could be different. And then when I come in, they're like, wow, I didn't know there was so much to know. And I didn't know how much you could bring. And I wish I called you sooner. And and while that's a compliment, I also kind of like, oh, I, I don't like that regret tone. It's like, oh, I kind of wish you called me sooner too. So that, you know, the issues didn't get as, as far as they did. Right. Well, I yeah. think it is super important to have you on today, Sonia. Thank you so much for all the information that you gave. I, I mean, some people may not know out there because of family tradition or whatever reason, they may not know either the importance of breastfeeding to the baby and to the mom, like you suggested, and they may not know what is the best uh, amount of time to breastfeed for. I know when I did this, like, I don't even know if my mom breastfeed fed, like, I, I don't even know if she breastfed me. <laughs> we never had that conversation, which seems really weird. But there are some families who don't talk about that sort of stuff. And they don't have a like a female mentor or like a grandma or um, um, like if you didn't, if you weren't born into that, then you may not know these things, right? Oh, absolutely. And a lot of people have never actually seen a baby breastfeeding. They might see it off in the distance, but I would say most mothers have never seen how a baby's mouth and a nipple and breast get connected. Mm-hmm. It's not really part of our culture right now. So it's a big learning curve for new parents. And honestly, formula feeding is quite a learning curve too. Sure. In, that, in that provincial role that I was mentioning, my, my early 
first job task was to write a formula feeding booklet that met all the criteria for baby friendly. And it's, it's hugely complex for parents to actually prepare formula and know how to store it and transport it. And there's a huge learning curve with that too, which, you know, which is a whole other thing. And, and yeah, some of my clients have to, you know, be using formula too, for whatever reason. So, you know, it's important that they get good resources it's important that any parent who's providing formula gets good resources for that. So I, I can link them to those, those kind of resources as well. I think it's fantastic that you have the skills that you do and the knowledge. And I know that you have a lactation care on Facebook, follow lactation care on Facebook. And we're going to put that in the show notes. And you're also, you also have a website, www.lactationcare.ca and you're offering them to free kind of inquiry call, right? That's right. They can book it right on my website. They can, uh, parents, well, anybody could follow me on Instagram and Facebook, but for specifically for parents, and I would say grandparents too, if they want to join a private Facebook page called Lactation Care Parent Connections, they're welcome to it. Well, I, I wouldn't hesitate to tell my daughter when, when she has um, her first baby to, to get a hold of you, Sonia, and I think it's just so important uh, that we start uh, young moms off right with the right skills and, and not wait, like you said, like I, I was fairly lucky that I didn't have any issues breastfeeding my two children and that things went well. And I even asked you like, when, when your when your child gets old enough to bite you, what do you do? <laughs> well, I'm ready with tips and tricks for that too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, people all around the world, there's people who stop at that moment. But, you know, if if they're trying to get to that two years and beyond or they're not ready or their baby's not ready, there are so many things that you can do to help get over that stage and and get past it quickly. Well, this is a good little synopsis uh, or synopsis, I should say, on on just, you know, what you can do. And I'm really proud of what you do, Sonia, and very grateful that you came and shared it with our audience today. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to A Healthier You, Little by Little. Do you have a question about something you heard today? An idea for a topic, perhaps? Or would you like to reach out to Cindy? Send her an email, coachcindylittle at gmail.com or visit her website at healthtowealth.ca. That's health2wealth.ca. Or you can find Cindy on LinkedIn or Facebook as Cindy Little. Once again, thanks for listening.